When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Where did all the Western boy and girl groups go? Why is it almost impossible to name a single active, current and relevant boy or girl group that has come out of the West? And where did they go? Why did they disappear? And simultaneously, how did Korea manage to rise up and take that mantle? A boy and a girl group are the most reliable way to almost create a company around music. It's purely manufactured and is purely a way to to find the parts that you need in order to create success in music. It's reliable in a sense because you can cast individuals for a particular concept you're going for. You can give them the songs that it hits. And because they have this, all these identities that people can relate to in different ways, you can monetize that in a way that you could and market it in a way that you could no one else. Because when you're an individual, you, this individual has their own thoughts <laughs> and individuality. In boy or girl, girl groups, you're constructing that whole thing and controlling that whole thing. And you can look way, way, way back. You can look back as far as, and before, but as far as Motown with Barry Gordy, where you had girl groups like the Supremes or the Elgins, or you had the Four Tops and the Temptations, where you are putting people together, you're providing them songs and an aesthetic and you are propagating that as far and wide as possible. And you can fast forward to when you have controversies like Millie Vanilli, where they are basically puppets and not really the artists behind the music. But then you have the 90s. You have peak boy and girl group with things like New Kids on the Block, Boys to Men, Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, Westlife, Spice Girls, S Club 7, 5, Take That, Boy Zone, Atomic Kitten, the Pussycat Dolls, who came a bit later. Of course, there was a lot of alternative music happening at that time, whether it's Radiohead or Nirvana. But the idea of manufacturing was at its peak relevance and where people seem to accept it to a large degree. I want to talk first about how they succeed. And there is the number one way that a boy or girl group succeeds, and that's through the record label head, the manager, or the Svengali. And that's usually not a good word to use. Whether it is Phil Spector, whether it is someone like Lou Pearlman, you should read his Wikipedia page one day. Lou Pearlman founded the Backstreet Boys. And then when they started to tail off, founded NSYNC, you can see this person took this model and then took it into the 2000s and went, okay, worked at the Backstreet Boys, let's do it again with NSYNC and Lou Pearlman. Laundry list of of arrests and indictments about Ponzi schemes and being sued by their members of the group. So quite nefarious types often. You have people like Simon Fuller, who was the founder of American Idol, but also founded the Spice Girls, also founded S Club 7. You have these people that know the constructs of how this business can succeed in music. You also have people like Simon Cowell, who had a record label called Psycho alongside Sony and was behind One Direction and signing other boy and girl groups as part of X Factor and 
outside of X Factor. And you also have in his same orbit, Lou Walsh, who you might know Louis Walsh from the X Factor, who is a judge, who was the manager behind Take That, Boy Zone, Westlife. You do need the captain of this ship to manufacture and lead the charge of succeeding as a boy and a girl group. Let's talk about the cultural impacts as to why these boy and girl groups started to decline in the West. And the first one is the rise of soloist culture. On the surface, you can look at it multiple different ways. You can look at it as a, a more of an individualist culture versus collectivist, or you could look at it as you had groups like Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and they survive for a period of time but everyone knows that they're going to break up eventually. And everyone knows usually someone comes out of that group and is the star, whether it's Harry Styles or whether it is Justin Timberlake. There's this idea that, okay, maybe, maybe the individual is more lucrative because there's less people to manage, there's less people to pay, and they can stand alone as a star. And there is no better example when K-pop has the training camps, idol training camps, the equivalent to that is Disney shows in America. You all know for the last 20, 25 years that the biggest pop stars from America have mostly come from Disney TV shows. Britney Spears, Selena Gomez, Christina Aguilera, Vanessa Hudgens, Zendaya, Justin Timberlake, Demi Lovato, Hilary Duff, Miley Cyrus, Ariana Grande, Nickelodeon, Olivia Rodrigo, Jonas Brothers. This is just a small list. What the West was able to figure out is basically a training camp within Disney TV shows. It's also a marketing tool because you've developed a fan base and then you can premiere these people as stars. Whether they can sing or not, they, they were made to be able to sing and given songs and became a star. It's a fast track. With that sort of success, it, it feels like the soloist is a lot better bet because you have this marketing funnel that builds this artist up to a point where they have fans and people just waiting for their music to drop. Then you have this single artist that you can control more. They're less complex than having five members that can see you at different points and, and not break up. And you're kind of seeing this happen more and more with influencer culture where that is the new development tool where you can develop an audience as a young person and then launch music off the back of it. Lots have tried, lots have failed. Cultural shift number two is reality TV. The rise and fall in many ways of the talent show. You can see early on, a lot of those people that I mentioned, Simon Fuller, the founder of American Idol, created these TV shows to almost be that Disney alternative way to develop and launch acts. To which Kelly Clarkson and the like had have had very successful careers. The rise of the talent show meant that there was a way to debut, test out, market these individuals where things started to get confusing and it wasn't a pure line of complete, almost K-pop manufacturing of consistent boy and girl groups is that these shows, one, focus on soloists, two, have all these different genres and it's like a country singer can win one year, Susan Boyle can win the next. And it, it the credibility of trying to find, say, a boy or a girl group is diminished. So yes, One Direction was founded through X Factor. Brilliant. Little Mix, Fifth Harmony. But is not like it's a boy and a girl group show. Because you have all these different competing formats, 
essentially looking for soloists and sometimes putting groups together. It's not like we're all invested in finding the manufacturing of a new group. And I think that these shows obviously have waned because TV culture was eroding with the youth as social media came up and is less part of the culture as it is in other countries like Korea, where talent shows have been around for a long time as part of a way of life. These Fengalis became judges, celebrities, media format owners, where they're probably more interested in making money off the licensing of their American Idol to Australia and to Brazil and stuff like that, meant that those Fengalis almost took their eyes off just developing the new group every single time. The third cultural shift is the rise of authenticity. We all love authenticity, especially in the West. We like it when people have come through struggle where their talent has been recognized because that's how we earn our keep as individuals. And I think that that earned stardom and perception of realness is really important in the West, really important. When there was that artist Gale who had that ABCD EFU song and someone outed that the record label executive or marketing person was the one that kind of made started the trend on TikTok that prompted fake prompted Gail to write this song and then Gail wrote this song and oh amazing she just wrote this amazing song and then it came out a couple weeks later people were like oh this is gross this is industry plant this is fake people in the west generally don't like seeing that because people like to see in many ways the most genuine version of manufacturing is Justin Bieber, where he was discovered on YouTube for being a talented singer, guitarist, drummer. Usher found him. Scooter Braun came in and then they turned him into a star. And it's like, wow, he was talented all to begin with. He could do all this. He was going to be a star anyway, but he is genuine. I also think that people obsess in the West over who writes the songs. Look at all these songwriters on the credits. Do they even write their own songs? And I think that there is this false narrative that artists need to write their own songs. So I think that the cultural shift away from debuting a group that just exists with these kind of tent poles of personalities and their music is not written by them and they sing and they dance feels icky in the West. The fourth cultural shift is Korea. Korea that has spent the last 30 years perfecting what was designed by the West, particularly America and the UK, taking those learnings and producing what is modern day K-pop. Because if you think about it, how many boy and girl groups can you think of from the West? Not many. How many can you think of in Korea, from Korea? New Jeans, BTS, Blackpink, La Seraphim, Twice, Shiny, EXO, 21, Big Bang, Stray Kids. So let's go back a little bit. Korea post-war was redeveloping their culture, their entertainment business, their economy. And what are the two main forms of export in Korea? K-pop and tech. Now, there's been a huge amount of government investment for the Korean music and entertainment scene in order to be what it is now. And it's had to do a lot of work to take it from something very crude and sometimes almost criminal, where there are gangsters running K-pop companies. It's now matured to the point where it is a undeniable force. Crucially, what is part of this is that Korean television had baked into it in the early 90s performance television where they had ballads, they had soloists singing songs. And it took till 1995 with the SM Entertainment founder came back from America, taking all these learnings from America in the mid 90s 
where all the boy and girl groups were popping off and recognized that there is a way in order to present and export a viably commercial product that can scale en masse, and that is the boy and the girl group. But what they did differently over the last 30 years is perfect the model of having one, multiple TV shows that are run by multiple companies in collaboration with the TV networks that are all founding different boy and girl groups. Number two is they perfected the model of how you develop these artists in a similar way how you had Disney shows, how you have X Factor and American Idol. You have a way in which you can train these members in the background. Then you put them on television, you develop them further and market them, and then you debut and then you have almost an inbuilt fan base. They've designed it and perfected it even further where they have ultimate control over the members from a very early age. We control how you communicate, where you live, who you talk to, what you do with your life. They control every aspect of the trainee's life, especially when they become a K-pop idol. And that is very much a dictatorial way to do things, but they recognize that when you've got people like Backstreet Boys or NSYNC and people start to break up and then you've got to kind of refine what you're doing, in order to have ultimate longevity out of these groups, you need to have ultimate control of them in their contracts in order to dictate how they exist in the world can be quite dark. The darkness of this sort of control is that the, the there are contract negotiations that are constantly breaking down. There are stories of extortion, abuse, idols killing themselves. There's a darkness to having that much control over an individual. But by and large, this model, this very hardline model has been able to continually and consistently create these commercial entities that can succeed on such a large scale. These companies are continually debuting one, two groups a year that they can have their set timeline from 16 to 29 where their contract is active and where they are going to maximize their opportunity for growth and success in those years and then those contracts end and largely they kill their babies because they know that in pop music people are enamored by youth and that fades over time. So they design these things to grow and then they kill their babies and then move on and then debut new groups. It's a huge part of the cycle. Whereas some in the West, it's more about we do one and then we do one. Here it is, we're doing multiple because we've always, we've got to have a girl group, we've got to have a boy group, we've got to have a youth one, we've got to have an alternative sounding one. And that model ensures that look at HYBE, HYBE BTS's company, which used to be a small company, big hit, which still exists is now buying up American record labels, is now moving into other countries because they've perfected it and made so much money off the model that is being perfected. This model has been perfected to the point where it's now being exported to different countries because you look at groups like XG, which debuted last year, is a Japanese group that people call K-pop because it looks like K-pop. It kind of sounds like K-pop and they dance and promote like K-pop. And people say, this is my favorite K-pop group. It's actually Japanese. Simon Cowell launched X Factors, the band in 2019 to find more bands. Where the West is behind is that you almost need five different versions of those shows with five different founders, Fengalis. Because if you know anything about K-pop, each one of these Companies' labels are headed by someone like Jay Park, JYP, who founds 
and dictates and runs the narrative of that company. And so if you have five, six, eight of these executives who are managing to develop and launch these groups on a continual basis, you have the head of the snake who knows how to do it, but then replicate it, but also have their timeline that they can say, okay, we've launched one three years ago. We need another launch one because these ones are going to be old at this time in order to make sure that the machine keeps turning. K-pop is one of the most reliable ways commercially to succeed in music on a large scale these days. The sponsor for this week's episode is Turntable Lab. When you want to go for the trusted source of audio gear and turntables and records, it's turntablelab.com. It's a lab of turntables. Think about it like that. What is Turntable Lab? They are a specialist in all those things I mentioned, turntable setups, turntables, accessories, for the beginner and hi-fi enthusiast. And not only do they sell that, they also sell records to the tune of 100,000 and more from their side of the business called The Lab. So you you can take advantage of their four or more deal. When you buy four or more records, you get 10% off. Great deal, kind of saves you on shipping. TurntableLab.com is the place to go. Also, you can go to TurntableLab.com forward slash Derek to find some of my selections. Things that I own that people ask about, some recommendations I have, little styluses or turntables or speakers. So yeah, go check it out. Turntable Lab, thank you for sponsoring. Back to the pod. Which brings me to the conclusion. To summarize, you can see how in any industry, things are cyclical. And I, I believe that record labels around the world are learning what it takes to compete and succeed on this level. Do I think that individuals in the West are just a more reliable structure? Clearly, there's been a lot of success with the Ariana Grandes and the Selena Gomez and the TV shows of the world. I do think en masse and at scale, K-pop is able to launch groups and have a mass rabid fan base a lot faster through a very open model of manufacturing, which I can see the West starting to cotton onto and say, okay, people don't seem to mind that things are designed as long as we bring them along for that journey. And there could be a world in which I do know that there are development of K-pop, UK pop groups, for example, that want to exist in the world. And I can see a world in which It's going to take a while, 10, 15 years. There is a similar structure of K-pop companies and lockdown and of control. Whether a Western sensibility, an individualist sensibility can handle basically your phones being taken away, your living in dormitories with your members being accepted. But I do think a lot of people realize that K-pop creates idols. They call them idols. And if you want to be an idol that is idolized, to the extent where you have 100 million followers because the marketing machine of K-pop is so precise. I'm sure a lot of people would hand over a lot to have that opportunity. One could also argue that K-pop is a flavor of the month. In one hand, I could say, sure, it's really exciting right now. I think that it's only the beginning and I think that K-pop is here to stay in so much of the music lexicon and sensibility. Having more global faces and sounds in the world is only a good thing, and it's just going to be woven more into the fabric. So whilst the peak of it might start to tail off and people will just get used to it, I think that K-pop will always be around. So I ask you this, what do you think? Do you think that there will be a rise and comeback of boy and girl groups from the West? Do you think that the world is better off to not have the Spice Girls, the Backstreet Boys, groups like that? in modern Western pop culture. And do you agree? Do you think that there will be a 
repurposing of the K-pop model in the West in order for record labels to consistently make money through open manufacturing. Please let me know down in the comments wherever you're listening to this on the app or on YouTube. As always, this has been Derek G Speaks Volumes. See you.